Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the 16th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Meg Gardner, crime novelist. Meg's latest novel, The Memory Collector, is in hardback now and available at your local bookstore. This interview was recorded at Thriller Fest in New York City in July. Also, if you're an author or writer interested in promoting and marketing your book, you should check out my new podcast at bookmarketingpodcast.com. Thanks, and the interview with Meg Gardner is right ahead. This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. So I'm here at Thriller Fest, and I'm interviewing Meg Gardner, the author of two crime suspense series, one series featuring Joe Beckett, a forensic psychiatrist, and the other series featuring Evan Delaney, a freelance journalist. Meg, welcome to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thanks very much, Jeff. I'm glad to uh, glad to be taking part. Sure. So the first question I have, uh, do you have to give uh, Stephen King a slice of every royalty check? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Stephen King was extremely generous, and it was all unsolicited. He praised my novels before I even had a publisher in the U.S. He encouraged people to read my books. Um, I didn't kidnap his dog. He doesn't owe me money. He was just extremely generous, and he likes to help other authors out, and That's I can't great. thank him enough, yeah. So, so of course, I was just joking, but um, can you give a little bit of the backstory behind, um, you know, the, the whole uh, Stephen King rave and how you, at that point, were only published in the UK? Sure. Um, I'm a Californian, but my husband's job took us uh, to live in the UK a few years ago, and uh, I started writing novels. That was the first chance. I had all my kids out of diapers. I didn't have to go into the office. I used to practice law, and I taught at the University of California, but I had some time, and I thought I'd better put up or shut up and write this novel I've always been talking about. So I wrote a crime novel, and um, my agent in the UK said, well, you're an American. I'm sure that you'll get a, a US publisher for this, and I'll see if we can get you published in the UK. In fact, I was offered a, an, a British contract very quickly, and then a French contract for translation, and a Dutch contract, <laughs> Portuguese, Hebrew, Russian, and the American publishers initially said, no thanks, which I couldn't really complain because I was I had books on the shelf and written, and they were being exported to Australia and South Africa and Canada and every place else except all my relatives back home in California were like, oh, sure, honey, we know you write books. Of course we believe you. And they would kind of make a circling motion with their fingers next to their temple. They didn't, didn't actually think that this was actually happening. And um, so then I wrote a sequel to the, the first book I had published was China Lake, uh, which is the first book in the Evan Delaney series. I, I wrote the sequel, Mission Canyon, and my agent said, oh, I'm sure this one will be published in the United States. But American publishers said, well, you know, it's the second in a series. I don't, we don't see any reason to pick up a series in midstream, so come back to us another time. We came back to them with a, with a later book in the series, and they said, well, we didn't publish the first two. Why would we want to publish any one, later ones in the series? So this went on for like four books. And, I was and, getting, and these, these books are set in the U.S., set, I should have. Yeah, sorry, they're set in Southern California. The sure. Evan Delaney series is set in Santa Barbara, all about um, the, this great 
but very eccentric place where I grew up. I love it, and it's full of characters, full of uh, full of great stories. But American publishers, I don't know whether they thought I was British and trying to write about California or what it was. But um, after I think the fourth book was published, it was just by happenstance Stephen King was coming to London on a book tour for Lizzie's story, and he picked up a book to read on the flight, and I wish I could say that he picked up one of my books and read the first paragraph and thought, oh my God, this prose is so beautiful, I have to read this. <laughs> In fact, he picked it up and opened it up and thought, this print size is nice and big and easy on the eyes for a long plane trip. <laughs> so, so that is why he took my book with him on the plane, and he read the whole thing on the plane and he enjoyed it and got there uh, to London. We have the same British publisher, so they of course gave him more books in the series, and he read them, and he liked them, bless him, and he found out that I didn't have an American publisher, and he uh, wrote a piece for his website encouraging people to read my books, which was amazing, and then, uh, to my great shock, but utter delight, he wrote a column for Entertainment Weekly, telling people that they should search out my books, and, uh, and when did up. you first hear about that? I heard about that when, when Entertainment Weekly emailed me and said, we, want, we need to do a fact check oh. on, this, on this column, and I said, okay, <laughs> I'll help you out however I can. And strangely enough, uh, within about 48 hours of that column being published, the 14 American publishers decided <laughs> they'd take oh, a look at my stuff. Maybe, maybe we'll take another look. <laughs> and a couple weeks later, I did have a, uh, uh, an offer from, from Dutton in the U.S. to publish my books, and that's what they've done extremely well, and I'm just thrilled, and I can't thank Stephen King enough. I, uh, and have you have you ever traded emails or had any kind of conversation with him? Yeah, I met him when he came to London oh, oh, at okay. that time, and he's uh, he's just an awfully nice guy. I mean, everybody <laughs> says, is he... Is he is he creepy? No, he's <laughs> he's generous. He's funny. He's uh, very outgoing, and it was uh, it was a real treat to meet him because he's one of my favorite authors. And, and it's, it's it's amazing to me from everything that I've interviews that I've read with him that despite the amount that he writes, he's still just an amazing reader. Yeah, he, he loves he it. loves it. <laughs> so he's in the right business. So. And there's oftentimes because I as I said I live in Massachusetts, and there's oftentimes just a, a routine photo of him at Fenway Park, and he takes a book with him. So they oftentimes <laughs> photograph him, you know, during the seventh, seventh, seventh inning, inning stretch, and he's, he's like stretching. reading. Yes, it's great. Um, so you have a brand new book out in hardback, The Memory Collector, um, which has just been published, and I wondered if you could talk about that, what the book is about. The Memory Collector is a thriller set in San Francisco. It features forensic psychiatrist Joe Beckett, who you mentioned earlier. Joe performs psychological psychological autopsies when the police and the medical examiner can't figure out why a victim has died. Joe is the one who has to dig through the person's emotional history, come up, explain their state of mind, and find out whether a death was natural, accidental, suicide, or homicide. In this case, she has a very unusual victim because he's alive. Most of her cases, the, the, the people are dead. She has a man who has short-term memory loss. His name is Ian Kanan. He has suffered some sort of a head injury. Um, doesn't know whether it was a blow to the head, whether he was poisoned, what's gone on, but he can no longer form new memories. He has anterograde amnesia, which means that everything up until the injury his memory is perfect. He remembers his life, he knows everything about himself, his personality, his intelligence is unchanged, but he can no longer form new memories. Every five minutes all the information that he's collected simply fades out. This is a real condition. It's uh, devastating. Um, people don't even realize that they are forgetful. 
they can only hold in their head, though, about five minutes worth of information before it all just evaporates. So Kanan comes in on a flight to San Francisco from London and Southern Africa, and he's gone reserve on the flight. The police ask Joe to come and help talk him off the plane. She quickly realizes that he's not a psychiatric patient, but he has his head injury, and that something bizarre has, uh, has destroyed his memory. He disappears from the hospital, and she has to find him, and she has to find him quickly because it turns out that he is a former mercenary. He's a security contractor. He may have been involved in a heist of some very dangerous substances from a nanotechnology lab. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And that this might have caused his injury and... Worse than that, he seems to be going out to hunt down the people who uh, were responsible for his amnesia, and other people who were on the flight with him begin to show the same symptoms of memory loss. So Joe has to find him before this uh, contagion spreads, before other people start uh, start showing the symptoms, or it becomes an epidemic in San Francisco. Great. And again, the name of that is The Memory Collector, and it's in bookstores now. And it hardback. is, yes. Um, and I know you taught writing, as you mentioned earlier, at the University of California, Santa Barbara, before you moved to uh, London or, yes. or to the UK. Um, and I wondered, um, first, what's your writing process like? Do you tend to outline? Do you just kind of see where the story takes you? And then also I wondered, second to that, if you, what kind of advice, basic advice that you give to aspiring writers? 
I yeah, taught at the University of California. I actually taught legal research. In oh, you did? Oh. Uh, which, because uh, <laughs> I was originally a lawyer, and that was, that was great fun. I loved it. I was intending eventually, if we, if I had stayed at the University of California, to sort of see if I could, oh, okay, could segue into creative writing. <laughs> uh, but I got going with my own writing first. Yeah. They, actually, the department may still be expecting me to turn in that legal monograph that I talked about many years ago. But with my own writing, I do outline. I'm not um, obsessive about it. I know some writers uh, can outline everything, every single scene from beginning to end. Others love to just sit down and start typing and see where it goes. I have to I have to outline because I tried it the other way. I tried it without outlining and I found myself so far up some dismal little obscure creek without a paddle or any way to get back that I realized I needed to have some guideposts. So um, I try to come up first with, with an idea. I've got a character in this case, the new book I've got Joe Beckett. Uh, so I know it's going to involve some medical, legal, psychiatric issues. I decided I needed a, a, some kind of an idea, some kind of overarching idea that I could hang a plot on. And then memory was the, was the one that, uh, that struck me as I was doing some reading and interviewing people. And then I just kind of, you know, spend a month or so <laughs> writing notes and running around and um, just letting, letting myself brainstorm. And then I sit down and I try to write a, an, a, an out, outline that at least goes from A to Z and maybe has two or, two or three signposts along the way, you know, major turning points. Um, and then if you try to overplot, I find it makes the writing a little bit stale. But if you uh, know the big places you need to get to, then you can uh, you can find your way and have it be a lot of fun and, uh, and develop as you go. Great, great. Um, I wonder, as, as a female writer, writing suspenseful, engaging thrillers, um, have you ever sensed any type of voice club in the thriller genre or, or any type of feedback um, along those lines, just in terms of gender? Never, actually, certainly not in the United States. Um, I mean, women are very successful thriller writers. I love. I got into this because. I love to read thrillers, mm -hmm. and I had read uh, men and women authors. I don't think it had ever really occurred to me to count whether I was right. reading more men or women. And I look at my bookshelf, and it seems to be about 50-50. And certainly, crime writers and thriller writers are really collegial folks. Everybody's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, everybody's been really welcoming. Editors have been very encouraging. Um, I know in some other countries, they say, oh, well, you know, you know do readers read women who write thrillers? You know, we need to have the guy who knows how to handle a big gun. And that is not the case at all in the United States, certainly. And um, so I just go for it. <laughs> great, great. Um, who are some of the, the, the writers that you read that kind of inspire you? I'll, I'll go on all day okay. if you let me. Um, let's see. I love to read Elmore Leonard. He's just a master of dialogue and plot and character and just surprising you until you just you can't put it down. I love the, 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 the women who got me into reading crime again with Sue Grafton, obviously. Um, Tess Gerritsen, Janet Ivanovich. I love Carl Hyacin because he, I realized when I read Stormy Weather that, you know, if you have enough nerve and you can put a monkey and an ex-governor in the swamp and you can get away with anything in a crime novel. I, uh, I love Harlan Coben, Craig Isles, Michael Connolly. Um, James Lee Burke. James Lee Burke. Yes, exactly. Oh, thank goodness Dave Robichaud is 
fictional because otherwise I'd probably have run away and started trying to find it. <laughs> yeah, Rum Show's great. Yeah. And Cleet Purcell. Cleet is, um, Cleet's my husband's favorite character. Oh, because he? he just will not believe what Cleet is up to. He's like the, this, like the, uh, the, the ne'er-do-well brother that you just keep getting messages yeah, exactly. from your family. Yeah. Exactly. Um, um, my mind just went blank. Um, uh, thankfully, I can edit. Um, I, I know what I was going to ask. Um, I, I wonder if you if you um, uh, spend a lot of time thinking about kind of the business of publishing because there's been a lot of news coverage lately of the rise of ebooks and and how that might impact the the publishing industry you know uh, at large. And I wondered if you give much thought to that and, and where you think that's headed. I do give thought to the business of publishing because I'm extremely fortunate to be able to make a living selling my writing, which means I need to uh, always keep that in mind. I know ebooks are coming, they're here, they're going to get bigger, and I try to look at what I do not as putting words on paper, but as, um, as telling a story. And if I look at it that way, then it doesn't matter to me so much whether it's hardback, paper book, paperback, uh, a Kindle, sure. an audio book. I have to be grateful to readers in whatever form they read my books, and I'm all for um, going forward with ebooks, digital rights, everything. We've got to look for how do people want to uh, imbibe our what we're writing and, right. and get it to them in a way that they want to have it. Really, that's uh, that's the most important thing is connecting with the audience is everything. Okay. Great, great. Well, again, I'm talking to Meg Gardner and her latest book, The Memory Collector, is in bookstores now. Check it out. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Sure. Um, Thanks for listening to my latest interview. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to leave me some feedback about the podcast, you can leave a voicemail on my Google voicemail line, and I can feature your comment in a future podcast. You can simply call 413-84-BOOKS. That's 413-84-BOOKS. Or it's 413-842-6657. Again, that's 413-842-6657. Also, if you enjoyed listening to the podcast, I would love to get a review in iTunes so that more people could find the podcast in the iTunes store. It's very simple. Go to the podcast in the iTunes store and just leave a review or a comment. Thanks a lot, and we'll be back soon with another interview with a writer that you enjoy reading. This is Meg Gardner. When I'm not working on my latest book, I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.